coming up on another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Seppo returns from the dead. We talk about the round 23 fixture. Chris Scott complains about free agency. Paul Roos signs on with Melbourne. And we look at the run home for all the teams in the final eight. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. And joining me tonight, I've got, uh, well, Messenger, the merciful Messenger. Ah, uh, greetings. We have something to talk about, Wookie. <laughs> and I have got Seppo, who has returned. Hey, hey, that's offensive. That's not on. Listen, seriously, he. This is this is no way to speak of the dead. <laughs> no, he, he's actually here. I'm he's, back. And not I'm a back. ghost. Don't. Don't. That's not right. That is. Listen, you said to me he died of shame last week. Well, no, we thought he might have because he wasn't here and we couldn't we couldn't get a, a get a word out of him or anything like that. And... So it wasn't actually a real literal death. It was a figurative death. That's that's right. Figure of speech, and I'm back, guys. So I've, I can I've still... had my hiatus period, and I've got over that result. May we never speak of it again and kick off. Well, t- t- on, a, on, a, on a level on a level of shame, how, how much shame did you feel? Oh, it's not shame; it's it's numbness. Yeah, it's, you block it from your mind. You, it was almost inevitable. One of these things was going to happen. It just so happened to be against St Kilda again. Well, more aren't you lucky? Aren't you, luck, aren't you lucky that gun forward Bo Maester didn't make an appearance? So you would have been absolutely reamed. Uh, the way that St Kilda playing, you could have put anyone out there. Oh, it was Sean Dempster streaming down the wing like Bruce Dool and <laughs> Shane Savage kicking his 60 metre up in the air things he does. Oh, it was it was it was brutal. It was a it was brutal. It's funny. I compare that how well Saints played against us as comparable as Hawks drilled us in round three of this year. I've never sat there and actually admired the way the opposition played as as much as what the Saints did because certainly I walked away from that game thinking this is the best the Saints have actually played for about two or three years. So it's it's just funny how these these things go. But um yeah it's uh it was an it was an aberration it but was an my, anomaly. Yes, indeed it was. And I'm glad to hear you're alive. Okay, and we're not going to be joined by Mike for a while, if he can make it at all. He's a little bit uh, tied up at the moment. So uh, we will we will hopefully get him on uh, later on during the cast. But in the meantime, guys, what were your highlights from uh, round 18? You go first, Seppo. <laughs> <laughs> Part two of round 18 last week. Um, I like the fact there was close games. Um, the fact that Richmond... And West Coast, even though it was terrible conditions over there in WA, was a, a nice, entertaining, close game. It sort of went down to the wire, as well as the Hawks-Sydney game and the Collingwood-Adelaide game. It's um shame the Brisbane and Gold Coast game, and, and God, Gold Coast have dropped off the uh, the cliff, but um, great to see that the other games were close results. And uh, Messenger, what was your highlight for the round? <laughs> Well, I went long, and, and with the, with the, your words ringing in my ears, Wookie, about Buddy Franklin tearing us apart and there being mass destruction and Josh Kennedy doing this to... And, and it, was, it was a fantastic game. It was really good. Real finals-quality game. And uh, Hawthorne looked well and truly gone about five minutes into the third quarter, but they, they really staged a remarkable comeback. It was a terrific game. And uh, who knew that Hawthorne could... Uh, it's like being at Subiaco with an Eagles home game listening to the booing. It was quite loud. I, I, did, um, I did, <laughs> did take note, and this is my highlight for the week, <laughs> but um, Jacinta Campbell, um, Buddy's girlfriend in Sydney, uh, pleading that uh, Buddy was hurt by the booing <laughs> he can stick hundred dollar notes in his ears if he's worried about it. <laughs> I did like that image of that young kid holding that um big 
dollar note bag or a dollar sign which, which was to be, over the to be fair the Melbourne the to be fair the Melbourne supporters did that a few years ago for Tom Scully yeah, so true. it wasn't the first time look I, I personally didn't boo him because I don't I don't believe in that sort of stuff but you know some a couple of very level headed people who sit near me each week and they just said look you know when you go to the club that just beat you in the grand final and say I want to come and play for you in 2014 this is the sort of stuff people don't forget that and his standing as a player will always be lower than the guys who stayed despite the fact he's probably one of the best 10 or 15 players that Hawthorne's ever had he will never be thought of in the same way as Jared Ruffhead or Jordan Lewis or Luke Hodge or Sam Mitchell it'll just never happen but, but you know, these are the decisions you make in life. And I'm sure he'll be quite happy kicking back at 36, bringing in $1.3 million. And uh, fair enough, too. But for all those expecting an apology from me, that's not how I operate. And uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm, I may have been wrong, but damned if I'm going to apologise for my beliefs. It's... Even if they are wrong. You live by the sword, you die by the sword, and I die a lot. So, it's, uh, <laughs> got more. I've got so many holes in me, I look like a cheese grater. Yes. Anyway, uh, onto the agenda for the week, and uh, the AFL has released the round twenty-three uh, fixture. And uh, Seppo, this will be no surprise to you, but it favours uh, Hawthorne. Yeah, oh, they can have that. Don't mind. And they they get the Friday night game. At... I'm surprised they didn't actually give it to Sydney, but I suppose they have to well, keep it right. all fair at the top of the ladder. Well, it, it gets interesting from there because, uh, and I'll, because of the way the uh, ANZ Stadium is uh, deal is structured, where the NRL get their choice of when they want to use the stadium. So, although last year the AFL did manage to get around that somehow, the uh, the NRL technically has the choice of when they want to play their finals. So I mean we could be we could be looking at some rather difficult stuff, but that's nothing compared to what happens if Frio get a home final. Um, and uh, they have to play it on you know if that's scheduled for a Saturday, um, it can't be played then because uh, the rugby union test is at Subiaco on the Saturday. Didn't we and do this the same last case year? last year? Yeah, yeah and it'll be the same the case for the next three years. So it's a four-year deal. Um, so the Frio's home final, if they get one, would have to be on a Friday or a, San- or a Sunday. So they'll be hoping they don't finish uh, fifth, uh, which it could happen. But anyway, mm. uh, so the the fixture for the uh, for the final round has Essendon playing Carlton on Saturday, Fremantle playing Port Adelaide on Saturday, uh, the Swans playing Richmond at twilight on Saturday, and uh, Geelong playing Brisbane. On Saturday night, North Melbourne also playing Melbourne on Saturday night, and uh, yeah, uh, Gold Coast playing West Coast on Sunday, Adelaide playing St Kilda on Sunday, and the Bulldogs playing GWS on Sunday. Really, only Adelaide and St Kilda is the game that could affect anything in the finals. So, on, the, mean, on the Sunday, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But I mean, I personally think Adelaide are going to make the eight. So I, I even wonder whether that shouldn't be 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 a Saturday night game. Who were the other Saturday? You said that North Melbourne were playing, and they'll make it. North have got Melbourne on, and Geelong have got uh, Brisbane yeah, well, on Saturday night. It. So the problem is every game features at least one finalist. And the good thing about Adelaide is they they are at home, so it's not like they're having yeah. to travel after playing it Sunday, but. And they'll probably play an elimination. If they play an elimination final, they'll probably play that on a Sunday as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think the the distance mm. between that game and, and their next won't be such an issue. But if they were travelling, it might have been different. But I love the way they've actually um, released these results. And I remember reading there's um, a whole bunch of reasoning around why they did certain things. So it's actually finally great to see the way the AFL are operating with um, maybe a smidgen of... In- and actually showing their reasoning behind why they're actually doing all this in, in regards to you know, ground clashes and return um, legs of you know before or after these games. So it's good to see a bit of thought went into this. And um, yeah, I'm happy with um, Freo's time slot and Lisa gets Port back because there are, I don't know if there's a, um, a, a permutation of the final ladder that Port could have to come back and, and play us. 
in that um, first week of finals. So it gives them a chance to go and, and come back, possibly. Mm, I'm not. I'm not sure that's possible. I think one one of you has to finish fourth. One of you has to finish fifth, and I don't think you can meet again after that, unless it's in the grand final. Or well, somehow I, maybe I, other sides fall away and we finish second and third. It's not out of the realms of possibility. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Unless you've got us to... losing to Melbourne in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, next... He says worried now. Now I'm worried we'll lose to Melbourne. <laughs> next, next up, uh, Geelong coach Chris Scott uh, has... Uh, been on a bit of a whinge about free agency um, says that the speculation about potential player moves is distasteful doesn't like free agency um, Nathan Buckley today saying that uh, the proposed changes to free agency where uh, the AFLPA wants players to be able to sign in secret mid-year um, and sign confidential contracts that aren't revealed until after the season ends uh, Nathan Buckley says that's even worse than the system that the NRL currently have and is preferring a mid-season draft to top up uh, injured players and whatnot. So, interesting things coming in line this with... This amazes me how we actually hear a Scott, one of the Scott twins against an a, oh, a current AFL issue. They, they almost must have writers going, all right, we, we need a story, guys. Let's go visit one of the Scott brothers to get their opinion on something. It's um, They must have an agenda or pick a, an AFL issue out of a hat and go speak to them to get a story for their website. It's amazing. It's, all, it's almost like they alternate between the two. <laughs> like, yeah. Is the roof but, open? No. No. I'm just trying to think back. Jared Rivers is a free agent signing, wasn't he? Yeah. It's here to stay. It's here to stay, and I mean, I don't see a problem with players being able to say, "I'm leaving at the end of the year. I'll give you what I've got for now, but I'm leaving at the end of the year for more opportunity or for more money or whatever." That's the way the world works. It's the way it works in the normal employment market. Problem is now, the problem is though, AFL coaches are notoriously vindictive, messenger. And they're not going to pick players if they're not going to play for them. Well, it, it happened well, even with that's fine, um, but you cut, you're Reece Palmer at Frio. We had a situation well, where I think once they sort of had the inkling that we were going to lose that player to GWS, um, didn't get games for the rest of the year. I think no. he had one from probably the midweek right, where all the rumours started circulating. And once these, I'll oh, just say they um, you know, signed in secret, you know, things would leak out and all of a sudden you would get coaches not playing people or even their own fans turning on and hurling abuse over over the fence. It'd become, um, yeah, probably not a healthy environment for a while, but I'd just love to see if this the actual contracts could be signed and, and kept secret. I, I don't see it happening. I, I, I think you'll find that doing that, it depends. look, it always depends on who it is, and, and Reese Palmer probably wasn't critical to Fremantle's fortunes mm. at that stage. I can tell you now, if Buddy had come out and said, last July, I'm leaving at the end of the year, they wouldn't have dropped him. Mm. And, I mean, uh, you're cutting off your nose to spite your own face. If you're yeah. willing to drop somebody who's critical to your team's performance just because they're leaving. I mean, it's it's silly, and Rugby league have managed to do handle this in a mature way, and I don't understand why we can't. All right, no, I've heard um, comments today saying that the uh, rugby league and is another sport that are open about um, player contracts like that, and they're actually um, jealous of the AFL system. So it's not always you know grass is greener on the other side. Well, um, and it'll be true, interesting yeah. about when you're talking about the the players um, and the, the difference between a fringe player and a best 22 player, as well as a position. So you, you could have um, a side that's out of the eight, say it was Carlton, and they found out that Jared Waite or someone was leading to go somewhere else next year, and they just pull them out of the side, say, look, we're not playing you again. We're going to get um, you know a better draft pick because we know you're going and start tanking in, in a certain manner. So not that they're already doing that. Barely but, been you know, playing him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening, you, you Mike. You can't tell with Carlton, Good evening, Mike. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Thank you. Sorry, I'm late, but that's what happens when no. you're working these days. All sorts of hours. Look, we're talking about free agency, Mike, and uh, I think Sean Higgins has been chased by a number of clubs at the moment. The AFL website says four clubs are chasing him. Um, 
and basically we're saying that uh, the AFLPA wants to enable players to be able to sign confidential contracts mid-year that uh, aren't publicly available or known until after the season ends. Um, what's your take on that? Look, we suffered the same thing with Callum Ward. Um, everyone knew who was going. He knew he was going. He'd already signed a deal with uh, GWS, but it wasn't made public until the end of the year. So, <sighs> look, I can see where Buckley's coming from, and I, I tend to agree because it's going to actually be detrimental to the smaller clubs like ours, the North Melbournes, the, you know, the St Kilda's, the, the, the clubs that really struggle or have been for the last few years in terms of keeping good players. Because the problem with the free agency is that as soon as they're as soon as they've what, served eight years, so you get them as recruits or 18, 17, 18, year, 19 year olds, by the time they're hitting their straps, they're, they're basically ripe for the picking. Um, I think Malthouse said a couple of weeks ago that basically players are going to go where they've got the greatest chance of success. Um, so, yes, look, I'm, I'm not a fan of free trade, uh, or sorry, free agency. Um, uh, but understand it's here to stay, but I think it probably the. If they're going to go down that path of allowing players to do it, I think the uh, the time should be uh, extended to how long they have to serve at a club, not eight years, at least ten years. I don't, I don't think there's any way they get the secret contract signing over. They might get mm. the ability to sign contracts mid-year, but there's no way they'll get a secret version of it, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't oh. think that's kosher. No. No. Well... Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I obviously have a different view about this, and and we've Hawthorne have had free agency work for them and against them, I guess, over the over the last few years. But I mean, this sort of thing is a bit of a fringe issue, as to me, as to how the system works in its entirety. And um, I mean, ultimately, good play, some players will go straight for money. And it won't matter where they are as long as they're getting the dollars. And others will look to go for success or they'll look to go for an environment or, or for a certain locale to live in. But it's up to clubs to make a case that they're the best place for a player to stay. But what, what happens if that starts to upset competitive balance? Because you're like, you can't have all your good players leaving to join all the good clubs because well, well, the lower, can, but, the lower but, clubs but, are never going to get a leg up. They're not, but well, I mean, in theory, no. But you still got they still got to all fit in this in the salary cap, and and it only takes a few guys to gel together at a club, and all of a sudden people want to go and play with them. Yeah, but players are going to be prepared to take a hit if it wins. They're going to win a premiership. Well, if they, if I think it, I think it depends on oh, their I think, age. Look, I sorry guys. Um. I think it really depends on their age. You know, you look at Lake, for example, but that was his last-ditch effort to get a flag was to take a pay cut and go with Hawthorne. And it did work for him. Well, sorry? It did work for him. Exactly, exactly. But most of the players in, in free agency who would be ripe for the picking would be 25 to 28-year-olds who have still got a couple of years under their belt and would be going for the money yeah, indeed. And And... You know, you put yourself in their position. Why wouldn't you? You only have a short window of uh, a playing career within football, and yeah. anyone with a bit of nous would need to understand that. You know, you treat football as a business. You're there to make money, to make the most of it while you can, because it's not something you can do forever. Mm, perhaps that's why it's so important that the Kohler issues are worked out. Exactly. Well, I mean, I mean the, the other end of this too, and I, I mean, I've always supported the idea of free agency. I, I tend to think that this is going to be used as a system it's going to be used in the end more by the yeoman of the of, the, of lists and and your, your good average players than the superstars and we all concentrate on what Buddy's going to do and what Scott Pendlebury might do and what uh, Chip Frawley might do but you know Hawthorne plucked um, Jonathan Simpkin off the end of Geelong's list yeah at, at the end of 2012 and he's got a and he's got a medal around his neck it's a matter of finding the right guy and saying, this guy fits better on our list than he does on their list and, and using it that way. And that's where free agency can work. And that's why you know, this whole pre-season draft nonsense is just it's utter rubbish. 
Arthur rubbish. Well, what you're this saying, a, what you said there, that could happen with Jeremy Laidler at Sydney as well, delisted by Carlton, and uh, he's pl- a regular in uh, right. regular in Sydney's but back six. Good clubs, good clubs will be able to find those guys, and they're the top up guys, uh, obviously, but they'll be able to find those guys. But I mean, I can certainly see why clubs like the Bulldogs and Melbourne and, and what have you are worried about these things. But but um, you know. Melbourne were able to recruit Mitch Clark with money. I mean, it, it, in the end, it wasn't a success thing. Mm. It was a, you know, show me the money type of arrangement. All right. Speaking of Yeah, but you're, you're, from that perspective, you're, it sounds like you're talking on the level that all clubs are equal in terms of access to money, which is clearly not the case. And I'll give you this example. Say for someone like, in our, uh, in our example, Jack McRae continues on his path, He's he's still a young guy. By the time he hits free agency, he'll be, what, 20, 26, 27, going the way he goes. You know, if all things are peachy keen, he has a good career, no injuries, he'll be right for the picking. Clubs will throw money to play like that. And it's the ability... Know, so, and, and it's not just our club. It's any it's any club, but, you know, it's, it's, it's the clubs who are struggling financially that will feel it the most pain with free agency. It's the ability you know, to be able to pay all your ASAs and the full... Like the full amount of your cap and everything as well, mm. and but with the cap floor at ninety five percent, yeah, but the ASA I mean, cap isn't at that high either, and it's the ASAs that are going to win people over. Well, for you to have an ASA, you have to have something that's marketable about you as well, not just that you're a good football. I mean, you've got to have a presence in the in the as a, as a branding tool, surely. Well, that's what Freo keep going. Ross Lyon keeps talking about building a a culture and environment that players want to stay and they're already talking now if we start to get a salary cap squeeze we'll, we'll probably do what Geelong players did a couple of years ago and, and take pay cuts to stay there and, mm. and want to stay and not leave to go chase money or go chase other opportunities Anyway uh, moving on and uh, Paul Ruse has signed on for another year at Melbourne apparently they're going to abandon whatever succession planning they had there originally and has he just triggered his third year because they had uh, no foreseeable people willing to take it on? <laughs> I think there's always someone that'll take it on. Brett Ratton's making noises about wanting to coach again. Um, but whether he'd take Melbourne or not, I don't know. Well, the interesting talk is all about, um, I think, Cameron Ling and um, was it Lenny Hayes as well as, as two potential guys that will obviously not go straight to senior roles, but obviously looking to join the coaching fraternity and, and make their way into it. I mean, from here, I mean, Ruse almost is compelled to take that third year because, really, I mean, what sort of what sort of uh, apprenticeship are you going to have with one year as an assistant coach at Melbourne? Like, how are you going to anoint a successor like that? Hmm. That's it's yeah, true. That's a fair comment. Fair comment. I, I I think it's actually good though. I think it's good that he's taking another year. Um, yeah. He is doing some good things down in Melbourne. They have improved this year. I mean, they're not as consistent. They're um as they could be, but I think that'll come in time. I think well, look, he sort of had to, didn't he, really? I mean, if he had, a, if he didn't extend, it would look pretty bad on his part, and it'd be pretty uh, a pretty backward step for Melbourne. So um, it's almost something that goes without saying that it sort of had to be done. Yep, and uh, Seppo, uh, Mark Harvey declining an invitation to the 20th year anniversary of uh, the Dockers uh, dinner. So some, still some uh, time not necessarily healing all wounds there. Yeah, he has um, stated that he's keeping distance with the club and could be a bit of sour grapes. And I'm not sure if that's anything like personal between other people. He's just made the decision to stay away. Um, he obviously didn't have any involvement in our 20th year book that um, we've just released this year for being in the comp 20 years. So he's um, keeping a, a fair way away from what's happening. But um, yeah, I... <laughs> Can't hold that against him. Uh, Tyrone Vickery, four weeks for uh, King hitting Dean Cox. <laughs> um, <coughs> so the most fight Richmond have shown for a while. Um, Buzz Rothfield, Phil Rothfield, the uh, NRL journalist, is demanding to know why we don't have a send-off rule in the AFL. Uh, he was on uh, 3RW Today. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's your thoughts on a send-off rule, a yellow card or a red card or 
Oh, I keep on thinking these these yellow card or red card systems would be perfect for where you've got almost those extreme moments, kind of like the um the lake incident. Well, um, where you've got something that you just need to put a stop in that doesn't warrant maybe um you know the the time after the tribunal and going through all that stuff. Just deal with the issue then and there, and hopefully avoid anything you know flaring up and getting out of hand. But I think what Vickery got should have been throughout the five weeks. Certainly don't see the um, may, well, I think there was demands for seven or eight weeks or something to carry over for next year. Obviously, Richmond not playing finals, but yeah. What, what do you guys think? Would you reckon that was around Mark five weeks? Oh, I think I think four was light for what he did. Yeah, I I think it was absolutely light. It should have carried over. And what they got uh, Eric to a king hit nearly in terms of the action coming around and. If they'd connected better on his jaw, he could have been um, the, the, yeah, been a worse position. He looked like he was. Jaw, yeah. he, he looked like he was coming down. He looked like he was. He'd been knocked out on the way down. Like so, he hit him pretty hard. But um, oh, I don't know. I mean, these the points we, we always. I mean, we still instinctively do the rule of thumb and compare it to things that have happened around it. And I compare it to say, obviously, to the Brian Lake incident in which the person who'd been supposedly choked got up, ran away without a mark on him and was best on ground. Um, and this guy who's been knocked out and basically didn't play a minute from there on in. Um, and uh, and they've got the same penalty. So I think Vickery's got off lightly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I don't, don't know about the send-off rule. I don't think I, the send-off rule would have helped this. I, this had to go to the tribunal and this had to get weeks long. I don't see how the send-off rule would help that. The sending off thing, it's another... I mean, you have to set your line as to what's a yellow card penalty and what's a straight red. Mm. And, and it's just so, another subjective... In a, in, a, in, a rule, in a rule book full of subjective assessments... Open to interpretation, that's right. By and, each particular and, umpire, yeah. Um, and you're just going to wait. Some bloke's going to get sent off for mouthing off at Ray Chamberlain and, you know, all hell's going <laughs> to break. All right, Razor before we... Uh, uh, last item on the agenda, congratulations to Tony Modra, Chad Corns, Matthew Primus and Tyson Edwards who were all uh, inducted into the South Australian Football Hall of Fame on Tuesday night. Uh, they were also joined by Lawrence Cahill who was uh, a former South Adelaide wingman, four-time Norwood Premiership player Philip Gallagher, nine-time Central uh, District Premiership twins James and Chris Gowans were also inducted so, if you've forgotten, Modra was a four-time leading goal kicker and dual All-Australian for the Crows. He won the Coleman Medal in 1997 and won Mark of the Year three times. Not a bad effort. And Seppo, he joined Fremantle for an unremarkable career in 1999. He did get us our first derby win, though, so give him that. Well, he was unlucky, actually, the poor guy. He missed out on uh, two premierships with Adelaide. He was able to play neither of those games. So, uh, I think unlucky describes Matthew Primus's career. Uh, joined Fitzroy just before they folded and uh, then went to Port Adelaide when they were rubbish. But he did win the 2002 John Cahill medal and then he went uh, on to be All-Australian twice before coaching them to uh, a somewhat less than spectacular coaching career. Now he's a Port Adelaide mascot, isn't he? May as well be. (laughs) be. Anyway, I think he coached them too, didn't he? So what was that? Ignomy. Yeah, it didn't have the best. And yeah, he wasn't very good at coaching professional football. Let's just say that. I I still, I can still see the vision in my head of him uh, basically just waiting in the club rooms after they lost to GWS. Just and he knew it was over. He knew it was done. <laughs> He's just like, ah, I'm out of here. A bit, a bit like Brett Ratton after they lost to uh, Gold Coast. After Carlton lost to Gold Coast, where he was just like, well, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> anyway, um, onto the round and the weekend threw up at least one good game, and uh, we'll cover that in a moment. But West Coast played Richmond on the Friday night. Uh, obviously, Tyrone Vickery covering himself in glory. Um, guys, this game was won by Richmond by 17 points in the end in a low-scoring game, 6-6 to 8-11, and was played at Patterson Stadium. Seppo, did you uh, see the game at all? Uh, I switched on for most of this. Um, well, 
one big highlight was um, Cochin's, I reckon, one of the best goals, other than Bontempelli's goal. This is probably close to one of the best goals I've seen all season. Um, that little run over the top in terrible conditions. Um, it, I've never seen sort of heavier rain. I imagine if you were at the ground that you wouldn't be able to see the ball at the other end. It was that thick, I think, through the first half. Um, obviously, other than the uh, Cox and Vickery incident, I think Cochin's tight goal, if you haven't watched it, um, check it out, because I think it might feature at the end of the year as one of the goals of the year. Mm. Um, I, I, I did watch some of it, and, and I mean, it was a poor game played by poor teams in poor conditions. But, Seppo, I wonder, you, you might have a bit of a... Uh, bit of schadenfreude happening uh, with, the, with your West Coast brethren, but uh, Adam Simpson, what's the what's the verdict on him? They seem to be no better at all for his presence over the worst fold years. Are these these guys, what, no, Emperor's got no clothes, or what's happening over there? No, I think it's um, not his fault. He, he might be able to coach, but it's um, certainly a problem with Eagles list that I keep on trying to remind folks it's it's not what's um, in a coach's box for them. I think he's um, going all right, probably better than what Walsfold did in his last few years at the club. But um, what yeah, do you certainly... think the Eagles need? What what do they what do they really need if they could grab something in from the draft? A, a midfielder that's faster than Treacle. <laughs> it does. It does seem that their midfield has slowed down. I reckon it's almost the worst midfield in the whole comp. I think St Kilda, Brisbane, GWS have better midfield than West Coast. Mm. Wow! It's, and that's saying something. Mm. Saturday afternoon, well, Saturday twilight, uh, the Q clash had a bit of a blowover. Really, uh, Brisbane getting up over the Gold Coast quite easily in the end, sixteen fourteen to eight eight. It was a, a fifty-four point win. Uh, so nine goals there. Any of you see this? And does it lend any credence to the uh, no Ablett, no Gold Coast theory? Well, oh, that's... I... Sorry. Sorry, Mike. No, you go, Mike. Sorry. All right. Well, I did tip. Um, I did tip Brisbane to beat the Gold Coast, and you know, I, I did. I have said it for the last few weeks that Gold Coast are going to struggle without uh, Gary. Oh, they just look a bit tired. I think. I think they run their peak far too early in the season now and I think they're just well the lack of uh, fitness and a little bit of experience obviously is catching up with them but you know I mean I think they've still exceeded expectations maybe they're not going to finish as high as we thought they would but yeah look as the result no not surprised Um, I was probably a little bit surprised by the margin I didn't think it'd be that much of a blowout but um, yeah I I still go with the saying that without Ablett for the rest of the year they're going to be in strife. And I think they're going to be... Uh, they've got no Dixon either now for the rest of the year. Yeah. And Zach the, Smith's gone into, yeah. um, I think, surgery. They've lost to Ruckman as well there. So I, I think uh, their season is almost certainly pretty much well done. We'll cover that in a moment when we do the run home, but uh, it, it doesn't did, um, look, it doesn't did look promising. Did you catch the statistical... The, st- the stats from the first quarter of that game? Uh, apparently, Gold Coast were awful. It was the worst they, quarter they've played in ever. They had, they had 36 possessions... For the entire team. Yeah. 12, 12 players had two or fewer possessions. Um, sorry, one or, sorry, one or no, no possessions. And they were actually minus 90 on the stats count at the end of the first quarter. Mm. Possibly the game of the round, in contrast to that, was played on Saturday night between... Uh, Hawthorne and Sydney, and again, I'm making no apologies for my predictions here, Messenger, so you can shut up. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I can't, I can't hear the victory. The victory's still ringing in my ears. <laughs> Hawthorne getting up over Sydney in front of the largest crowd they've ever had for these clashes, 72,000. Um, the, the last time we had... The, the, it actually... The, the game that it tipped out was the last... Hawthorne game at Waverley, which was against the Sydney Swans. Mm. And I, I, think think got... I think it's the largest crowd ever for an interstate side against a Victorian club in Melbourne that hasn't been a final. A good, oh well, it's a good uh, contingent of uh, Victorian Swans supporters there on Saturday night too. Look, really good quality game, really good quality game, and um, Sydney are uh, an exceptionally good side and. Uh, 
I, I don't know whether we saw the grand final. I don't know. I think the Dockers are still a very good chance to, to make it too, but it was a really high-quality game. Very pleased Hawthorne would manage to win that too. I just can't believe the momentum shifts in this game. I was... um listening to this on the radio and, and just sort of flicking in and out of it was amazing that you'd hear one side like Goods came out and kicked a couple and the next thing you know Hawks have kicked a couple and then going back the other way it was some um, great like, ebbed and flow right the way through especially that third quarter yeah they, they they really didn't kick well enough early on Sydney and they had uh, huge runs of play in the first quarter and uh, and missed a lot of shots um, set shots and it wasn't just Buddy but there were a few others that went astray as well, but um, quite an open, flowing game too, as opposed to what we'd seen for a lot of the year. And I think there were, might have only been two holding the ball decisions paid for the entire night, and I think they're both after half time from memory. So, from that point of view, it was it was aesthetically pleasing football as well. All right, they're the final game for the round, inexplicably played on Sunday twilight, despite there being no other game on a Sunday. Collingwood Adelaide uh, played at the MCG in front of about 40,000 people. Um, uh, Adelaide getting up over the Pies by 16 points. Did any of you watch this? No. No, it's very late. (laughs) No, unfortunately missed it. It's too too late for the Horlicks generation. Of course it is. (laughs) Of course. To get up for work on Monday morning. Here's the question, though. Are Collingwood done? Uh, you could make a case... Well, I don't believe they could win the premiership from where they are. But is the other question, could they make the finals? Well, they've, um, they've got it again. They've got it, they're up against it now, aren't they? All right, which brings, uh, us, brings us to the ladder after round 18. And uh, Sydney still on top, uh, just narrowly on percentage, 138 to Haw- 138.8 to Hawthorne's 138. Uh, both on 52 points. Geelong also on 52 points, but with a much worse percentage at 112.1. Uh, Freeman on Port Adelaide making up fourth and fifth next. Again, not much separating them in terms of percentage, 133.2 to 132.4. Uh, North Melbourne and Essendon splitting sixth and seventh. Again, not a hell of a lot in percentage difference there. Um uh, with 112 to 109, Adelaide coming in eighth spot, but uh, Collingwood and Gold Coast not far behind. Although Gold Coast's percentage is nothing to write home about, the possible finals chances of West Coast and Richmond remain faintly glimmering in the distance. Although Messenger's going to tell me that that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That, no. And the mathematical chances. <laughs> no. Uh, the mathematical chances, Messenger. That's right. We, no. we, 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 we Carlton Bulldogs people hold on to mathematical chances and the possibility that Jesus will come back and take two or three entire teams and the rest will lose for the rest of the... Anything can happen in this great game of ours. It's, it's, it's the We're not clutching at straws, are we, Wookie? It's the unpredictable nature of the game that we love the best. But no, uh, mathematical chances, Carlton and the Bulldogs, they come in uh, with six wins apiece. No, they're not. That's not. They're not mathematically possible. No, no. I, I, I'll, look, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think pretty, the eight is pretty much set. I didn't say realistic. I said mathematical. All right. No, it's not even mathematical. It is. It is. Carlton You're going to need asterisks ball- against a whole bunch of sides from the top eight for Carlton to get in there. Ba- basically, everyone from Adelaide, Collingwood, Gold Coast, West Coast, and Richmond would have to lose every game from here on. And Carlton, the Bulldogs, and Carlton and the Bulldogs would have to win every game from here on, and they would make the eight. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't. They can only need 12. They, they, they can only get to 11. Well, you would Sorry. Have, Adelaide have only got nine wins if they lose every other game for the year, and so do Collingwood and Gold Coast and West Coast and Richmond, then we only have to have 10 wins to make the eight. Okay, look, Carlton's hope... Mathematical chances, my friend. Mm. Carlton's hopes aren't dead. They're just playing at a farm with a lot of other hopes. Melbourne's hopes and GWS's hopes, right? Well, Carlton's got to beat Geelong. They've got to beat Port. And, uh, you know, those two games are going to be hard. Essendon, they've got a chance. 
Fremantle away. Mm, no. tough. Anyway, bringing up the bottom of the ladder, Brisbane with five wins, but GWS Melbourne and St Kilda with four wins apiece. Now, it does beg the question, when was the last time you saw a ladder where the bottom four sides had at least four wins apiece at the end of the season? It shows that uh, equalisation is actually working, the way they've actually structured up the fixture last year. And um, I actually played around with the ladder pred- predicted tonight. So for the last five rounds... I plugged in the lower team on the ladder right the way through to the end of the season, so mm. upsets every game. It actually gives you two games difference between 6th and 11th. Oh, no, 17th. Mm, so, I, I did my ladder prediction and got a slightly different result because... You got, <laughs> you got Carlton, Carlton making... Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> actually, I didn't. But um, I, I, I just think it is equalisation is going to work if you give it time. It's just you can't... You can't um, you can't substitute for better training and better coaching and better recruiting and luck and luck yeah luck plays a massive part in it but um, being able to identify the right talent which is what the Swans and the Hawks and Geelong have done for many years now Um, not sure what's going on at Fremantle I don't know what they're doing they're doing great things. And Port Adelaide, quite frankly, are just running on adrenaline, I think, at the moment. North Melbourne, well, who knows? <laughs> they're own worst enemies, aren't they? <laughs> that's, that's, uh, who knows about North, really? They sh- they, they're better than... Well, uh, you, you'd love to say they're better than they're playing, but they're not. Because they've been playing like this for two or three years now, where they're okay, and then they're not, and then they are, and... Uh, yeah. Anyway... We want to we want to quickly run through the run home instead of just doing the next round uh, for as many of the sides as we can be bothered doing. So um, the Swans guys, um, they've got Essendon uh, at home, Port away, St Kilda at home, Bulldogs away, and Richmond at home. Unless I've typed that wrong. Um, that last game against Richmond is at ANZ Stadium and not the SCG. So. Guys, how do you think the Swans are going to end up? Probably see him winning at least at least three of those five games, at least. I, I think I they'll think win they all can, five. I think they'll win all five too. Yeah. I, I think I, I think it's that time of the year now where teams like the Swans and the Hawks, in particular, they're just going to go all the way through. They've, they've, had, they've taken their losses and. It happens every year, though. One of those results won't go there. I see winning four out of five. I couldn't put mm. my finger on which team that might do it where, but maybe Essendon are a chance to beat Sydney this week. Who knows? But they'll probably win. At the SCG? Yep. I wouldn't wouldn't like their chances. I I, I don't know. Maybe Port. The Port away game's a danger. If you are going to beat Sydney, you're going to do it with speed. And I think that the way that the Hawks showed, you know, with Smith and... Um, some of the other guys moving quick. Yeah. That's how you beat Sydney. So if there's a quick side out of that, maybe Port. And um, I think Port last year in this similar run home, I think they had the bye and came back and beat Collingwood and mm. Sydney um, in quick fashion, I think, towards the end of the round. So mm. maybe as the um, end of the season tolls on Sydney, um, and Frio certainly make them look second rate in that prelim final, if they do get a bit older and slower, um, that there is a chance for a quick side to beat them. Mm. All right, Hawthorne have got the Bulldogs in Tasmania this weekend, and then they've got Melbourne, Fremantle, uh, Melbourne at home, Fremantle away, Geelong at home, and Collingwood away. I've got them winning four out of five, with the obvious loss being to Geelong. <laughs> um, come on, Messenger, you know it's true. Um I do, I do, I am concerned about visiting the house of Seppo in round 21. Um, first trip to Perth for the year, which is, uh, thank you, Andrew Demetrio. Um, look, yeah, look, Might I, I would Queensland, think one, three would be the uh, the minimum there, but yeah, hopefully four. Seppo? Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> 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 Geelong, uh, Geelong have got North Melbourne away, Fremantle at home, Carlton away, Hawthorne away, and Brisbane at home. Uh, that last Brisbane game at Skilled Stadium, and I think, th- and the Fremantle game is also at Skilled Stadium. So, uh, I've got Geelong also winning uh, four out of five here. 
North mm. are a massive chance to beat them. Massive. Yeah, uh, that's why I've picked North, I think. So. Well, same with Freo. We we did them down at Skilled last year in the final, so that's no longer a worry yeah, for us. I, th- I think that was just spite. You did them. <laughs> you did them. Split <laughs> them wide open. I, think, I honestly think that was just spite last year. It was like, well, <laughs> bugger this. <laughs> um... Fremantle, Carlton at home on Thursday night this week, and then Geelong at Skilled, Hawthorne at uh, at Patterson's, Brisbane at Patterson, and Port Adelaide at Patterson. Uh, well, away, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Brisbane's the away. Brisbane's the away, yeah. Port yeah. I knew I got one of those wrong. But yeah. I've got uh, Fr- Frio winning three of those five. I think we'll go one better. I think we'll win four out of the last five. Potentially five, but... I think the hardest game out of all these will be that Geelong away game. I think we've got a better chance of beating Hawks at the House of Pain at Subiaco than what we do Geelong down in uh, Geelongistan. So I think Port are going to be done and dusted by the end of the year and probably sending over their B side to play us and they might put a couple of players on ice and rest them up. So I don't see Carlton or Brisbane beating us. So it's, it's down to those Geelong and Hawthorne games and that could be the difference for us. Um, securing a top four spot and possibly pinching second. If we can beat Hawthorne and Geelong, who are sitting above us, we get both of them, we could jump into second. I've got news for you, Seppo. You're going down tomorrow night. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, hang on, before you guys move on, I was going to say, geez, Seppo, I heard something like that a few weeks back and uh, <laughs> you disappeared the following week. So I just want to make sure you're not going to do a disappearing act if you're... Uh, premonition or your uh, your prediction doesn't come true. No, no, I'll, I'll put my nuts, the cojones on the line and saying we will win four, at least four of the last five remaining games. At least four Ooh, of the last five. Ooh, that's a brave, brave I, man. I, I've got, I've got actually got... Go, but we will win at least four. I've got, I've got you winning three and needing to beat Port Adelaide in the last round to make the top four. Why so, interesting. Port Adelaide... Speaking of them, have got Collingwood at home this week, then Sydney at home, Gold Coast at Metricon, then Carlton at home, and Fremantle uh, in Perth. I've got them actually only winning two of the last five. I think they're pretty much shot. I think if you can't, mm. they'll beat Gold Coast, they'll probably beat Carlton, but I don't see them beating the rest. They might get up over Collingwood. Well, if you're right, then the top four set. I think so. So it's just a question of whether Fremantle can get themselves into a position to play a home final in week one. Mm. I think the top three is definitely set, but it could be a bit iffy between four and five. And you think Freo's got a great percentage on top of Geelong? We probably um, might not catch Hawthorne and Sydney, but if it comes down to it, at least we might be um, playing a different opponent if we sneak into third over Geelong. And I asked Messenger this before you guys came on, but would Freo prefer to finish fourth? and play an away final first up, or would they prefer to finish fifth and get a home final first up? Ah, no, we'd be gunning for the week off. Yep. Finish fourth. Yep. Especially if we had to go and face Sydney. Right, North Melbourne have got Geelong at home, GWS in Canberra, Bulldogs at home, Adelaide at home, and Melbourne at home. Uh, which is a nice little run home for them, really. But I still only... I have them winning four of that five. Although they're bound to like set themselves on fire in one of those games <laughs> and, and lose it, aren't they? So I, I'm going to say that. Well, that that uh, Adelaide game is actually in Hobart, round 22. Oh, there you go. One Stone Arena, I think they call it now. Yep. Although, look, I think the Cats will probably beat them this week. And yeah, I mean four here. They could win four of those. Why not? We're talking Why about not? North Melbourne here, so North Melbourne are going to beat beat Geelong. They're going to lose to GWS. Yeah, probably lose to the Bulldogs. They might beat Adelaide and probably lose to Melbourne <laughs> by a point, <laughs> by under a goal that's, in that's each a loss. <laughs> that's that's brick one in the in the Carlton to the finals wall coming down <laughs> now. <laughs> Essendon have got Sydney at uh, the SCG and then Richmond. Uh, at the MCG West Coast at uh, home, at Gold Coast at home, and then Carlton uh, finishing up on the Saturday at the MCG. Um, I've got them winning three of these five. I've actually got the, 
but then again, I'm biased. I've got them losing to Carlton in the last round, so. They'll beat Carlton. Uh, I'm not so sure. But, you yes. know, you, you, you be that way. I will be that way. <laughs> When you, when you look at the round 23 fixture, that's going to be an exciting game, though. You know, if Carlton are the chance for finals, you know, according to yourself there, Wookie, that's going to be a great game. I, 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 I don't think we care if we make the finals or not from here. I, if you can we, take Essendon if we can take them out of the finals, that'll be a win for us. If we can keep, somehow keep Essendon and Collingwood out of the finals, I'll be a happy man. But Is I this what clubs outside of the eight look at? You know, who, or who, who can we stuff up? Who can we take out last few rounds? It's so, been Richmond's yeah, modus right. operandi since 1982. So, um, so it's, it's, it's known as, you won't, you won't be familiar with this phrase, but shaping it's known the as eight. shaping the eight. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the last straw you, play you a role to in, as you sink under the water. You play a role in shaping the eight. That's right. Yes. Um, Adelaide have got West Coast at home, Brisbane away, Richmond at home. North Melbourne away and St Kilda at home, um, in and I've got them winning f- uh, three of those. I'm going to say four. Yeah, I'm going to say four as well. I think they'll. I think they'll lose to North in Hobart, but I think they'll win the rest of those. Mm. I think they could even go five. I reckon they could potentially win all those. I think Adelaide are on the up, and they finally. Uh, Found a bit of form. If they can run with it, um, yeah, they could win five and cement themselves, and I, I, that's pretty much the eight done. I think I may have gone for Brisbane to win in an upset there, but uh, that's that's I'm ever the optimist, as it were. And just uh, the, I'll do the realistic finalists, not the uh, mathematical and, and the other hopefuls. But Collingwood uh, have got Port away, West Coast away. Brisbane at home, GWS at Spotless, and Hawthorne at home to finish off the season. And I have them winning four of those at the moment. I reckon no. three. I don't think they'll beat Port, and I don't think they'll beat Hawthorne. No, I don't think they will. Uh, and, and if you work on the premise that they need, if you think 12 in percentage, then their percentage probably isn't going to be good enough. If they need 13, they won't get there. So mm. really... And they were talking about this on 360. You could uh, you could actually say that if they don't beat Port this weekend, they're done. Yeah, pretty much. No, pretty that's much, fair, that's a fair so. call. Um, Gold Coast, while we pretty much assume that they're done, I think, uh, without Ablett, but they've got St Kilda at home, which they're a shot at. They've got Carlton and Melbourne, which I don't think they can win. They've got Port at home, which could go either way, I think. Essendon, they've got in Melbourne. They can't win that. And they've got West Coast at home, which they're a shot at, I think. So they haven't got really any difficult sides to play except for Essendon and Port. Gold Coast, they could finish with another two or three wins for the season as well. But they've got a rubbish percentage, though. It's it's whether they've got, uh, got anything left in them now. No, I think they're done. Yeah. I've got them scraping in. Lucky to probably win one or two more games. But re- realistically, I did I did my ladder prediction, um, and I've got the top seven pretty much. The top seven pretty much stays unchanged. The only difference is whether Collingwood or Adelaide make the eight for me. Hmm. So that's that. St Kilda still finish on the bottom. GWS still finish second bottom. I've got them winning nothing else for the rest of the year. Chris Pelch, and, Chris Pelch and draft pick, yes. <laughs> as you didn't, um, haven't St Kilda taken Luke Beveridge now as well from the Hawks? Yes, they have. He's going to be joining um, joining St Kilda as their director of coaching to be next fair, year. To be fair, he was a St Kilda player, Beveridge, wasn't he? He was also a, a Bulldogs player and a Melbourne player. And he certainly was, yeah. Jack of, Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. Look, he's, uh, he's quite highly rated. He's been the backline coach at Hawthorne for a couple of seasons now. And um, he's he's sort of so I guess he's sort of sitting. Uh, I guess his role is to look after the, the Alan Richards and underlings. But yeah, it's a good pick up by St Kilda. I don't think um, we're not going to run through the, the the teams outside the finals. There's no point. Um, they're, just, they're not going to. There's not going to be a hell of a lot of change. Yeah, even in my wildest optimistic. Uh, I've only picked Carlton to win another three games for the year, and that's optimistic at best. So, think what are you looking forward to the most this week, guys? Well, I'm looking forward to a nice Thursday win and, and raise memory of all our last performance, and 
give Carson the good flonging they deserve. Messenger? I'm looking forward to a really good week of football. I, I think there's, there's some really good quality games this week. It's going to make a change from the last few weeks. And uh, Mike? Well, I was going to say I'm looking forward to watching a game of football in Tasmania, but I don't know how that's going to go. But um, good question, good question. No, look, as long as there's some decent games on, as long as there's not whitewashes, ah, it's the end of the oh. season almost. Well, you can tune in for the press conference between the Scott brothers. That will be uh, interesting. <laughs> it always is. Which one's crying more yeah. about the rain, exactly? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's Eddie so That's going to be comedy gold. Leave the roof oh, open. Yeah. Someone leave the roof open. <laughs> the roof was too. The roof was too closed this week. <laughs> um, I'm personally looking forward to Carlton dishing out the shellacking of a lifetime to Fremantle tomorrow. Um, I think it'll happen. I think Carlton will pull a St Kilda on. Uh, on, on the Dockers boys um, we've got a reasonable record against Frio in Perth so yeah you are absolutely whatever it is that you smoke send me a gram you are as high as a kite <laughs> and I think Seppo Seppo just breathed easy now because it's going yeah. to be it could be ugly what's the over under on how many goals Carlton will kick tomorrow night <laughs> I've got eight I think it's five goals I have, I have Levi Casbolt breaking Fed Fanny's record. <laughs> against... oh, I like where this is going. Keep going. <laughs> you, you have strayed a long Say way from the pack. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell you now, there are going to be so many goals kicked against Fremantle tomorrow that uh, they aren't going to know what, what the term defensive pressure means afterward. Yeah, I, it could be the Thursday night could be we getting the avert your eyes game out of the way. <laughs> Young kids. There, there are. There, but like, like Messenger said, though, there are a lot of good games this weekend. Uh, Sydney Essendon's going to be a cracker. Uh, well, in terms Northern of jo- positions, Hawthorne Bulldogs is probably the furthest apart. Everything else is yeah. nice and close. Northern... And Hawthorne Bulldogs, is, it could be. I mean, Bulldogs play that fairly quick style of game that, that uh, might bother Hawthorne if they get a roll on it. It's a nice big ground down at Aurora, so you never do know your luck. you got North and Geelong on Saturday. That'll be interesting. Collingwood and Port on Sunday. And, of course, the shellacking of a lifetime that Carlton will deliver to Fremantle tomorrow. But, um, you know, other than that, it's a, it's a fairly good game of footy. Yeah. And it's just a shame there has to be a blowout on Thursday. Um, yeah, um, yeah. You, you will front up next week, won't you? <laughs> I always front to, up to my. We won't. We won't have to declare you dead or anything. Like I that. always front up to my slings and arrows. It's 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 part of being a broadcaster. I'm oh. I'm, I'm, I'm like oh. the I'm like the oh. I'm like the KB of this broadcast. <laughs> oh, he's calling himself a broadcaster now. Oh, my gosh. gosh. Well, there is nowhere to hide. Anyway. Um, just before we sign off, don't forget the Canadian uh, the Canadian side uh, leaves for Australia on Friday, and they'll be here next week. They are going to be using the there's a pub near Docklands that they'll be using. I think it's called the Melbourne Public um, that they'll be using if you want to go and hang out with a hundred Canadians. Um, they will be down there uh, starting next week sometime. Uh, their first game, if you're planning to go to see the Canadians, they will be at um, playing at Royal Park on Sunday, uh, August the 10th. By, both women's sides will be playing one after the other. For those that are interested, and for the rest of you, go to hell, you <laughs> ignorant people. <laughs> I, I just assume I offended pretty much all of uh, the Hawthorne supporter base we have. Um, That's... That's delightful. So what we know is that Wookiee and Canadian women is, uh, yes. I'm, I'm not saying I have a thing for Canadian women, but by No, gosh. not at all. No, I, I think Big right. Footy has something for Canada. I think we're obliged to get down there and support them, and I'll certainly be going down there to watch these uh, great people come from the other side of the country to if, play our game. If you are going to go down there, Sunday's the game to go to because uh, the other games are mostly during the week. And uh, Sunday's, you can just, Sunday you can watch them play one after the other at Royal Park and get some support and they're hopefully looking forward to seeing you all be there anyway we're going to sign off I've been the Sefo, walking surely you should get the Fremantle cheer squad to make a banner for the Canadian women who knows maybe yeah 
That, that's... Maybe I'll get a barrel for them to jump through. <laughs> very good, very good. You don't need to get someone down there on a horse and just ride around. That's right. Anyway, I'm going to sign off. I've been the Wookiee. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, uh, Messenger, for coming on. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Mike, for coming in somewhat belatedly, but still coming in anyway. Well, that's right. Better late than never. And thank you, Seppo, for graciously losing tomorrow night. <laughs> and for turning up <laughs> nice, this week. Nice try. Um, I'll be uh, looking forward to a nice game of football tomorrow. Thank you. All righty. And uh, that's good night for me. We'll see you all on the forums. Bye, Go, dogs.